This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Last week we spoke on, on marriage and relationships up at our, the Ark Church in Huntsville. They're doing so well. And after the, uh, the service, uh, some friends stopped us and, and I, I knew this one individual. He said, Mr. Allen, he said, I, I, every time I hear you speak on marriage, he said, it still stings. I'd walk with them during a very difficult divorce. I'd seen God restored in a wonderful remarriage, but yet he said it still stings. And I recognize that every time that you talk about relationships, the potential there for there to be a sting is still there. Maybe it's a divorce that still stings or a, a love that was never returned that still stings. And so I, I want you to understand that as we do this series, Built to Last, it's gonna be a three-week series. As we do this series, this is not an attempt to rub salt in the wound. This is not an attempt to be a trophy case presentation about how awesome our marriage is and yours is not because we also remember how awful ours was and how God helped us change it. But what it is, is an idea of some of the very same things that you can do to begin to build strong relationships in your life. So if you'll stay with us, one of, one of my challenges as a pastor, where I really feel as a pastor is every time we talk about relationships, especially when we talk about marriage, we have to understand that we have people in this church and we're all over, it's a big church, we're all over the relational map here. I mean, think about it. We have people in our congregation right now who are single, who have never been married, and they want to be married. They just have such a great idealistic view of marriage. They're just so brimming with hope. And uh, ever, <laughs> brother, you just need to look straight ahead because it's like, oh, no, I don't know why I just did that. I laughed. But it's, uh, it's, uh, it reminds me of that story of that lady, a young lady came home from a date with her fiance. And she came in and she flopped down on the couch next to her mom. And she burst into tears. She said, Mom, she said, there's no way I can marry him. The wedding is off. And the mother said, honey, what is wrong? She said, well, theologically, we're just way too far apart. He doesn't even believe that there's a real hell. And her mother patted her on the leg. She said, darling, you just go ahead and marry him. We'll prove to him there's a hell. <laughs> now, the people laughing are the married people right now. They're like, they're like, oh, yeah. So we got married. Now, listen, there's a great book I want to recommend. If you're single, you've, you've never been married, or you're single again. If you're single again, you might have a good idea of what you don't want, but it's good to understand what you do want. It's, it's, a, it's a book. It's called Sacred Search. Sacred Search by Gary Thomas. Sacred Search by Gary Thomas is an outstanding book. Five years ago, we gave it to our youngest son, who was a senior in college at the time. We gave it to our daughter. It's a dangerous book. He read the book over spring, over college. Uh, it was Christmas break went back up to college and broke up with the girl that he was dating at the time. He said, this is not, he said, he said, I went about this all wrong. This is, this is not the right one. He since has married the right one and they're expecting their first child in, in March. And so it's a dangerous book because we gave it to my daughter. She read it and went back to Tulsa where she was living. They both read it over Christmas and she went back to Tulsa and rekindled a relationship with the young man that she had relegated to the friend zone. And she pulled him out of the friend zone and they've been married now for four years. And so, like I said, dangerous book, read it at your own risk, but it's, it's a good, good book. We highly recommend that book, Sacred Search by Gary Thomas. Gary actually is here in, uh, in, the, in the Houston area. So we've got single, single again. We have couples who are living together. Now listen, if you're living together, don't, don't brace yourself. We're not mad at you. We're not going to condemn you. 
I realize too that oftentimes couples have, especially over the last three or four decades, marriage has taken quite a hit. And it, it's been a fractured picture of what God intended it to be. And so now you have individuals saying, hey, we saw the pain side of it. We don't want to, we, don't, we think it's going to be safer if we don't get married. We'll just live together. Now, here's, here's why I want to encourage you. I want to give you some, a different perspective. Marriage was God's idea, and he gets involved. Look at something that Jesus said here. He said, haven't you read, this is Jesus speaking, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. So what he's talking about there, when he said, let what God has joined together, it's understanding when you form a marriage covenant, it, God gets involved in that. And so if you're out there right now, and listen, I do weddings, I, I do what we call in-office weddings. They do not take long. I can have you in and out in record time. We, it's, it is the Ark Express. Ain't nobody singing, <laughs> but man, it, it, we roll through. But some of the most touching and beautiful weddings I have done is with couples. And I've done it with their kids standing right beside them. And they said this, they said, Alan, we wanted to honor God and we wanted to come together. Some of the most beautiful weddings I've ever done have been right up in that prayer room and get your marriage license, contact us. I will do it for free. And uh, if, listen, if you want God's blessings, do it his way. And so if you'll do that, we are not condemning you. We are all for you. I do them every month. And I bet 80% of the ones I do now are couples who've been living together and said, hey, I want to honor God. Then there's another group of people. There are people who have said, you know what? I'm not married and I'm content. And some of those are people who just said, you know what? I, I'm not going to be married. We have some good friends like that. Not going to be married. I, this is my choice. Others have been married before and they're like, nope, I'm good. Now, let me help you who are married on a conversation that you never want to have. You never want to have the conversation of, honey, if anything happened to me, would you remarry? You cannot win that conversation. The only way you can go is, oh, no, darling, after you. <laughs> no, there's no way. Somehow, last year, Joy and I got involved in this conversation. And she looked at me and she said, if anything, if anything happens to you, she said, I am not remarrying. Almost like, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, we're done, I've got enough. She looked at me, though, she looked at me, this is my darling wife, she looked at me, she said, oh, I know you'd remarry. <laughs> she said, you need the help. <laughs> and, then she, and, then, and then she said, and Lord only knows what you drag up. I, hey, hey. <laughs> I, I'm hurt that you're laughing this much. <laughs> if, if, if you're content, then you're content. But then we talk about marriages. And when we talk about marriages, I have to understand that, that marriages are all over the spectrum. I, I give it the three S spectrum, struggling, surviving, or strong. And if you can imagine a spectrum struggling are, are the marriages out there right now that they're barely making it. They're hurting. And and, and they're wondering, that they don't know what the future is going to hold. They're not, they're not hopeful. Surviving marriages are the marriages that are, well, you're, you're making it, but it's, it's, you're making it, you know? You're in it, you haven't quit, that's good. As you look to the future, you're kind of neutral, you hope it works. 
And then there's strong marriages. And the strong marriages, you, you enjoy the marriage relationship. There's a friendship there. There's a relationship there. And you're looking forward. You're hopeful about the future. Now, the reason I understand those three so well is because Joy and I have hit every single spectrum from struggling to surviving to strong. And this is one reason we have great hope in marriage. And what we hope to give you today are some things that you can begin to do to begin to move in that direction. But I, we have hope for marriages because ours, ours was so bad. Here's, here's two of the challenges that we had when we entered into relationships. Here was the first one. The first one was expectations. Oftentimes we go into relationships and the expectations are unrealistic. Now they should be realistic. Realistically, I expected when I married Joy for, for there to be loyalty, for there to be intimacy, and there to be support. Those are realistic expectations. But what's unrealistic is when someone says, I am expecting you to make me happy. When you expect that, let me, let me just help you with that one right there. Don't ever put your happiness in someone else's hands. You, no other person should be making you happy. And here's another one too. Not only am I expecting you to make me happy, I'm expecting you to fill in all the gaps in my life where I am weak or gaps that I have. Listen, no one person can fill in all the gaps in your life. The Bible said, well, will they complete me. No, scripturally, we are complete in him. And God can do something in your life that nobody else can do. And so when the pressure goes this way instead of that way, it makes relationships work a lot better. So there's expectations there. They need to be realistic. And then what we did not bargain for was pressure. That we face pressure. You know, when, when, you're getting, when you're getting ready to get married, no one talks about the things that you might encounter. But we encountered pressure. I'm going to have joy talk about the pressure we encountered and how we dealt with it. Sweetheart? Well, at first... <laughs> At first, when, when I got married, I thought, okay, it's going to be amazing, right? It's one long and romantic adventure. No, it was, it was agonizing at times. It was, you know, awful at times. And I'm like, what, what happened here? I thought it was supposed to be so good. I must have a different perspective here. And I actually did. So I'm like, is it the institution of marriage that's so awful? Or is it Alan? I, I couldn't tell. <laughs> I thought it was him for a long time, actually. But in Ecclesiastes 4, look at this scripture here in verse 9. Two are better than one. How? I couldn't understand that. I'm like, I understand that two is greater than one. But how are two better than one? Because we seemed better when we were not together. And I'm like, I'm not understanding this. But the rest of the verse says, because there's a good reward for their labor. Or one translation says, there's a good return if you learn to work together. I knew God put us together. That's what confused me. How come it's awful? But I didn't realize we have to learn to work together. Work together for what? Just to live life. Life in and of itself has its challenges, has its problems, its difficulties. So is marriage then supposed to be this one long romantic stroll? Or maybe I needed to look at it differently, which I did. Maybe I needed to look at it a little bit more like a race, that you have to get through some difficult things, and it had some romantic spurts every now and then. I think an interesting metaphor to me of marriage is that television show, Amazing Race. Has anybody seen that? 
Ah, oh, it's unnerving for me to watch. Now what they do is they pair two individuals, often husbands and wives or engaged couples, and you travel all around the world to different countries and you have to get through these different challenges. They're mental, they're physical, they're hard, and you have to get through challenge after challenge after challenge. Now there's rewards for each one, but they have to work together. And often where I cringe is watching the couples get so mad at each other. Oh my goodness, I mean, you, we're late for our taxi and it's your fault. And, and as I watch that, I'm like, you know, why is it in our relationships, and I did it, that we get so mad at the weaknesses of the other person? You should be strong. How come you're afraid? How come you're not getting in it? We pounce on the weaknesses. And yet that's when we need to be compassionate and actually show honor in our relationships and saying, listen, if you're weak, I can help out and be strong here. And then when I'm weak, then you can be strong. The couples that I see really get through those challenges are the ones that are like, hey, okay, so you're afraid of heights? I'll go down Niagara Falls in the canoe, okay? I'm good, I got that. I'm not afraid of heights. And she's like, thank you so much. You know, I took basket weaving in college so I can weave banana leaves into a boat. I got that challenge. So you get us through that one, we'll get through that one, and we'll get through these together. And that's actually when two is better than one because you're helping each other out. There was a time, I'll never forget, it was 1993, January. And I mean, I think every challenge that could happen hit our home at one time. Have you ever had that? It was like the perfect storm. I had just come out of an unsuccessful surgery. The doctors couldn't help me, so I had a lot of physical pain. My dad was dying of cancer at the time, so emotionally I'm pulled. When I'm in the hospital, Alan tells me that his company and his business got hit and he didn't know how we were gonna make ends meet financially and my two oldest children were diagnosed with learning challenges. I'm like, what, what are we gonna do? How, how, how are we gonna get through this? I was most comfortable in working with my children because I had worked with kids that had difficulties and challenges. So I'm like, okay, let's jump in here. Let's like, like put in some therapy. Let's do this. I'll do sing, spell, read, and write. Come on, Alan, let's like jump in here. And he seemed to be avoiding it. And this was like an argument to us. I'm like, why aren't you getting in here? They're your kids too. In fact, I think they take after you. This is your fault. <laughs> terrible to do that I did that I really did I was so mad at him but you know he said to me he said first of all I'm trying to get food on the table and I'm trying to work on this and and two joy I'm not comfortable there I don't feel competent I'm not as familiar with it as you are and also and I'll never forget this he said I just had so much pain watching my sister suffer and struggle in school and to see that in my kids, it gets me. We all have wounds and weaknesses in our soul. And when we're kind and loving and willing to cover for the other one, oh my goodness, there's a tenderness that comes in our relationship. I would love to tell you that I was so understanding and from that point on, I just didn't put pressure on Alan, but I wasn't. I was like, get in here anyway, do something. And that caused a problem between us. Sometimes you have to cover for one another and you have to be strong to get through something. Fast forward and 
Our daughter, we, we had a difficult situation hit. She was coming out of an abusive relationship, which we hadn't expected. And one night, she comes home so drunk. We're pastoring at the time. I'm sitting behind her, and I'm like, I had, had never really drank a lot, and so it was, this was very unfamiliar and uncomfortable for me. It was at that time, I noticed cuts on her arm, and I'm like, is she hurting that much? And I didn't even notice. I'm not getting this as a mom. I'm trembling. I had no words. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to pray. And Alan was so strong that night. He was calm. He was steady. He had the words. He had counsel and comforts from heaven. She'll tell you she'll never forget that night. And I won't either. Because once we got her to bed, I remember I went to Alan and I was like, thank you. I didn't have it. I didn't know what to do. And you did. And he's like, that's okay. I love you. And I can cover for you. And I was okay in that situation. That's when two is better than one. Because you have to work through different challenges. I like to think of challenges and problems and difficulties like waves of the sea. They're, they're similar. There's one and another and another, and they keep coming. Now, growing up in Miami, Florida, my sister and I would go to the beach often. And sometimes we'd go into the water, and the waves would be so strong, they'd knock us over and knock us over. And it's like, oh my goodness, okay, I have enough salt water up my nose. This isn't going to work. So you know what we would do? We wouldn't get out of the water. We would wade in deeper into the ocean. Why? Get out of the water. No, we'd wade in deeper. We'd get our footing on the ocean floor. And then we'd look out and go, here's a wave coming. And we'd ride that wave. And then we'd ride the next one. We're like, oh, here's a really big one. Let's ride that one. And we were like enjoying ourselves. Can we get to the place in our lives where we enjoy each other and we enjoyed riding out the challenges and they don't scare us anymore? Even the big ones, it's like, no, we can ride them out. We're not going under and we're not going to get out of our relationships because of it. We're going to move right in there and allow God to help us. Yes, there is something in all of us that actually likes to get through a challenge. That's why people sign up for amazing race. I'm like, why would you do that? Because there's something in us that likes that. That's why there's so much Ironman races going on or that we pay for water rafting or we sign that marriage contract to <laughs> or contract. Uh, I don't know. We sign it, but we're going to have to get through challenges because there's something rewarding about being able to get through something. And that's when two can work together and be better than one. But I have to tell you, there were so many times, more often than not, that neither one of us were strong. We're like, we don't have it. Either one of us. Now what do we do? Well, Ecclesiastes 4 verse 12 says this at the latter part. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. I had that read at, at my wedding. I didn't even know what it meant. But a rope maker will tell you that a threefold cord is the strongest there is because all three strands are touching. I love that. I have to tell you that in the togetherness of our marriage, we individually and separately trusted in God. We held on to him and he was the golden cord. He was the strong cord. We weren't connecting. We weren't communicating. We didn't even like each other sometimes. I'm like, why did I do this? I don't know. But I would hang on to God and say, I trust you, Lord. I trust you with all of my heart. I'm looking to you to help us. And I'll tell you what, sometimes if I'd open my eyes, 
realize I'm like, we're still together. It wasn't us. It was God holding us together and getting you through the toughest times. True story of a blimp that was landing, I believe it was in the 1930s in California, and some sailors were mooring it down, but a strong gust of wind came and popped that blimp up in the air faster than they realized. The men were holding on to the rope, and several of them dropped down to their death. It was a chaotic time. Women were fainting because there was one man still left up there holding on for hours. By the time they got him down, they're like, how did you hold on for that long? He says, I, thought, I saw that it was beyond me and I was too far up. So I took that rope, I tied it around me and tied it in a knot and the rope held me up. You hold on to God and he will uphold you and get you through the most trying times. You take his words and his promises and you tie them in a knot around you and he will carry you through to the other side. He's so faithful. He's so good. When I first got married is when I began reading the scriptures and I loved the Psalms. And in the middle of the Psalms 18, he says, by God, I'll get you through a troop. Oh my goodness, sounds like amazing race, doesn't it? He says, by my God, I can leap over a wall, any kind of obstacle. It's too big and high for me. It's never too big and high for God. There's nothing you're going through that he can't get you over. And then he says this, oh, even if you walk through a valley of the shadow of death, there's shades of death all over you. He says, you don't have to be afraid. How would I not be afraid? I'm always afraid of those things. He says, because I'm with you. Because my rod and my staff will comfort you. Because I'll encourage you and I'll cheer you on and give you all the counsel you need and you'll come on the other side of it. He's the strong one. He's the victorious one. He can get through absolutely anything. And that's what he did when I couldn't heal my pancreas. I didn't know what to do. Alan didn't know what to do. The Lord's like, you don't have it. I do. I'm the Lord, your healer. We're coming through to the other side. And I'm alive today because of that. He's so faithful. So faithful. How about my daughter? I mean, I could make her cookies. That didn't help her heart. I could give her a blanket. That didn't help her heart. The Lord's like, I actually heal the brokenhearted. I got this one and I can restore a path for her to dwell in. Don't worry about it. You don't have the strength. I do. We're coming through to the other side. And he did exactly that. He did it time and time and time again. The faithfulness of God. We built our marriage and our lives on trusting him. And evidence of that was, I'm going to grab a hold of his promises. What he has to say, and I'm just going to pray. You know, you think, okay, pray. How do you do that? Just talk to God, not in a formal, fancy way. Just talk to him, ask him for help. You'll be amazed at just a simple heart cry, what he's able to do. Your little prayer. I like to think of prayer like a candle. Maybe like I, I because I was a Catholic girl, I go into the church and pray. And when I'd light a candle, it represented my prayer and asking God for help. And all you're doing is inviting him. Please come and help me. He will light up your world. He will enlighten your life. Because not only do waves and different problems hit a marriage and a home, but darkness sometimes falls on it. Disease falls on it. There's night seasons. There's diagnosis. There's depression. There's debt that sometimes just hovers over a home and everything goes dark. Just like in 2008 when Hurricane Ike came through and everybody lost their electricity. No lights, no power. Sitting in the dark. But I had one candle in my kitchen. 
And that little flame, I love that little flame. Your life with God, your trusting in him, it's beautiful in the dark. A candle's beautiful in the dark. And God, who is the light of life, can come and light up every room and everything in your life that seems dim and dreary and scary. You can't get light from somebody else. You can't get it from your spouse. You can get it from him. Jesus is the light of our world. The Proverbs 31 woman, she's an honorable woman. She says at the end of the scriptures, her lamp doesn't go out at night. In the middle of the night seasons, keep praying, keep trusting, keep your heart and life with God strong because he'll bring you through the darkest hours, the biggest storms. In the Old Testament, he told the children of Israel and the priest, he said, tend to the candle in the nighttime. Keep the menorah lit all through the night. Why? Nobody's there. He said, it's a reminder that the presence of God is with his people always. If God's presence is with you, and if you know him, he is. He is the light of your world. You're going to come through. He's striking a match for you today. If you're like, my household's been dark for a long time, not any longer. He's the light of your life, your heart, and your home. Amen. Here's just some real top practical tips on, on, on your praying. When you're praying, do not pray, Lord, kill them. That's, that's not a good prayer. <laughs> but here's another prayer not to pray. Don't pray, Lord, make them do something. Oftentimes I hear people, oh, Lord, make them love me. Lord, make them be nice to me. You know, the thing about the Lord is he will not make anybody do anything. He gives choices we choose. So here's the way to pray. Lord, open their eyes. Fill them with the knowledge of your will. Help them see. Send someone across their path that they will listen to. Lord, help them open their eyes. Because when people can see it and they turn their hearts God can do amazing things. Then here's the last thing, and, and this is something that Joy, that Joy alluded to, and it really has been over the years. It has been the only thing that's held us is that we built a relationship around him. And Jesus was the one that said this, and he said this in Matthew. He said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, Jesus' words, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rains came down, the stream arose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Now, if you're single and you're thinking, well, I'm not even in a relationship. Yeah, but you can start to build a relationship with the Lord that makes you stronger. When you're stronger, your relationships are better. When you're stronger, you're not as moved by what people do. You're not as moved by the, all, all the stuff that's going on out here. You can have a life that's strong. And when the storms come, you don't fall because you built your house on someone who is strong. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm going to ask, please, that no one leave for just a, a couple of moments. You give me just a few moments here. If you came this morning and said, you know, I, 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 I'm not sure about a relationship with the Lord. I don't even know if I have a relationship with the Lord, but I want to. I want to know. I want to be sure. Or maybe you're like I was. I was actually raised in church and I got away from God. And yet I knew in my heart I needed to come back. Come back to what? Come back to the one who loves you more than anybody else. Come back to the one who will be better to you than anybody else. Come back to the one who will be more faithful and more true than anybody else. 
come back to the one who will enable you to stand. His heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We're not going to ask that you stand up or come to the front. But if you're here and you say, you say, you know what? I, I want to come back to the Lord or I want a relationship with him. Would you pray for me sitting right there in your chair? We're going to do that. I'm going to ask you to do one thing. I'm just going to ask you to, to slip your hand up real quickly right now across this auditorium and say, Alan, would you guys pray for me? I want to come back to the Lord or I want to know him for the very first time. Shoot your hands up now just across the auditorium if that's you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. Thanks. Anybody else? Thank you. Appreciate your courage. Anybody say, Alan, that's me. Would you guys pray for me? Thank you. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. Now, maybe you didn't lift your hand. You wanted to. You didn't, you didn't lift your hand, but you're thinking, oh, I missed my chance. You did not miss your chance. We're going to pray. We're going to, we're going to pray all together as a church family. And I encourage you to pray. Pray out loud so you can hear yourself pray. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. And I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, just for a moment. Heavenly Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer today. Those who stepped out of darkness into your marvelous light and for those who've come back into the light. Now, Father, I also pray today. I pray for the marriages that are struggling or barely surviving. The ones, Father, that they're on their way to strength. Father, you know exactly where every one is. Thank you that you can strengthen, you can light a candle. And Father, for those who are hurting today, those who are in pain, those who feel like maybe they can never be loved, or those who feel rejected, or those who wonder if love will ever come their way, Father, I thank you for one thing, you do love them and care for them. And I thank you that you can spark that hope and life in them. We can all have a life with you. And Lord, I thank you for that. That you are the glue, you are the rock, you are the strength of our life. And we'll give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.